The biggest moves overnight all relate to Japan. Their bond yields are higher. The yen is up over 2%. Why? Because Governor Ueda has given his address to Parliament and what he's been saying has been interpreted as a sign of a move up in rates. Imagine, so we could see a pre-Christmas surprise perhaps. Or will they wait till the new year? Oil is lower again. US jobless claims didn't really move too much. And now all eyes are on the non-farm payroll, which will guide expectations for the Fed next year. We know whatever it does, there'll be plenty of interpretation. It's Friday, it's the 8th of December, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So US equities have come bouncing back. We've got a 1.4% rise in the Dow stack at close, 0.8% for the S&P and 0.2% for the Dow. Uh, it's big tech that's really back. So we've got an 8.3% lift in AMD shares, for example. Google is up 5.5%. In Europe, shares are down 0.2% lower for the Eurostox 50 and the DAX at close. The US dollar is down again. It's lost 0.6% on the DXY. It's down 2.5% on the Japanese yen. The Aussie dollar is up 0.2%. 0.9% over 66 US cents now. The pound is up a quarter percent. The euro up a third of 1%. And 10-year treasury yields are up today, up four basis points to 4.14%. And bond yields are up two, uh, two basis points in the UK for 10-year gilts. They're down one in Germany and France, so no big moves happening there. But look at Europe, uh, look at Japan, I should say, where 10-year government bond yields are up 11 basis points to 0.74%. Nowhere near that 1% cap, though, that they were a little over a month ago. Uh, Aussie 10 years rose six basis points yesterday to 4.34%, uh, but down six or seven basis points on futures overnight. And oil, well, it was lower, quite a bit lower. Brent was down 0.7%, below $74. But now it has returned to the green, uh, but only just uh, in the last hour. So WTI fell below 69 uh, but turned in the last hour as well. It's now up 0.4%, although it's still below 70 uh, Ken Crompton is with me today from... NAB in Sydney. So, I mean, it's all Japan, isn't it, really? I mean, the yen stronger, yields in Japan well up. Governor Ueda uh, has been in front of the Japanese government. That's what sparked all of this on Thursday, uh, saying managing monetary policy will become even more challenging from the year end and heading into New Year. It seems like markets have taken that as though, well, maybe there will be a December surprise. That bit soon, but I mean, it looks like, you know, the expectation is they're going to put rates up, they're going to move out of the zero territory. Or the negative territory. Yeah, morning, Phil. I mean, even those um, screens that, uh, that that show you know, implied probability of policy rate moves are actually are actually showing a bit of life for the, the bodge this month. So, you know, they've been showing a bit of activity. Maybe the bodge will be out of negative rates at some point next year. There's still there's now about thirty percent chance priced in for a move in December. So, mm. that's certainly part of a, a big range of moves across. Japanese rates markets yesterday, rate, rates and FX for that matter, um, as, as you said, sparked by um, by, by Waiter-san talking to Parliament, and then he um, doubled down, I guess, on the signalling by going and giving the Prime Minister a bit of a personal briefing or, or update afterwards. So certainly a bit of a concerted effort at messaging that. You know, 10-year JGB yields around 0.75. I mean, they've been quite a bit higher relatively recently, actually. I mean, they've been at 0.95 yeah. not too yeah. long ago, but of course, um, you know, 10-year Treasury yields are down 90-odd basis points in that, in that time as well. So yeah, being a bit lower is not unreasonable. I think um, certainly the market is wary of that December surprise. Last year in December, we got a, a very big surprise for markets by with, I think, very little expectations of a, of, of a move by the bodge this time last year. And in the end, they tweaked yield curve control a little bit. 
And that sort of unleashed a little bit of chaos across various aspects of the bond and FX markets into year end last year. You know, we drove, it did, helped drive a treasury a US Treasury yield sell-off of, of 50, 60 points. Australian bonds, you know, rose in yield dramatically further than that even. So, um, yeah, I think the impacts around this time are likely to be a bit more muted, but certainly it's um, still going to be significant. So I think what is potentially interesting there or, or to keep in mind is that, you know, the messaging from the bodge, um, you know, there's still a bit of a tone of gradualism to it, and I think what tends to be an issue with with bodge watchers from offshore is that they're a lot more impatient than the bodge themselves, or even most domestic investors tend to expect. So, I think I'd still put a bit more leverage, I'll put a bit more weight, sorry, on comments from the bodge wanting to wait for these you know, sort of um, wage negotiations over the course of next year, maybe necessarily than expecting a you know a dramatic change in policy again in December. So it's it's about softly positioning. Right. So it's not going to be a Christmas surprise then, that- is what you're saying. But uh, but but the time di- but the direction seems clear. Doesn't it? I mean, and you know, and, and you know, we'll be seeing rates going up while everywhere else they're going down. I mean, it's very clear that in the US now. I mean, the mortgage rate in the US now it's down to almost seven percent. So uh, it was seven point two percent a week ago, and of course it's been uh, up at eight uh, percent. So we've had six weeks of decline. So banks and mortgage lenders they're very clear what direction the US is going in. Uh, Japan is one of those few places. We might be another one, of course, uh, where interest rates could be going the other way. Yeah, and certainly. Um there was a bond auction yesterday. The, the Ministry of Finance sold some thirty-year bonds in Japan yesterday, and that that um, that got very tepid response from investors, which is quite unusual for a uh, for a Japanese bond auction. Given that the general assumption is you can often turn around and sell your if you're a bank, you can turn around and sell your bonds to the BOJ quickly afterward. The fact that there was pretty tepid demand there was was interesting. That that doesn't happen. Too often, so um, mm. so investors are getting a bit more cautious over there. They're saying, right, we've got enough of those now. Thanks very much. Uh, oil lower again. Uh, I wonder whether it's you know it's a combination of factors, isn't it? The slowdown in China, uh, the slowdown in the US, the slowdown in Europe, perhaps less in the way of cuts from OPEC, higher output from the United States. I mean, it's all the perfect storm for oil producers. Uh, good news for everybody else, but uh, not so good uh, for for oil producers. But uh, a fall in US. Oil inventories last week down 4.6 million barrels, way more than expected, but still prices are falling. So it's curious, isn't it, about how far that's going to go and how much of this, I wonder, is to do with the China slowdown. So exports rose by half percent year on year. We saw yesterday for November when they're expected to fall 1.1 percent. Imports that are expected to rise 3.3 percent year on year fell 0.6 percent. So in both cases, the opposite of what was expected. Yeah, not a particularly encouraging story there on on either front. I mean, look, having um, yeah ha- having exports up a little bit was is you know, at a base level some sort of positive sign. But I did see a lot of reports indicating that um, there was a suspicion that a lot of that strength was coming from was coming from uh, price cuts. So um, you know, buying buying market share through uh, through, through lower prices. Um, yeah, the sustainability of that is always a, is always a challenge. And then of course, you know, the import slowdown is more unequivocally negative. Um, although you know, there was a sort of few analysts out there pointing to the fact that um, yeah, you are sort of at least coming off. Um, there, there's been a little bit of strength there, possibly relating to a little bit of the stimulus work that's been done lately. But still, it's not a you know, it, it, it's not a resoundingly positive figure on, on either side of that um, on either side of that number. And as one of those myriad of factors pointing into um, pointing to oil, certainly a contributor. And I think on the um, U.S. inventories. 
as well. I think there's been some seasonal work being done on refineries, which has seen um, you know, inventories back up a little bit. And, and as capacities come back in line there, that there's a bit of a natural drawdown. I think that's been part of that as well. So um, hence why it may not necessarily be as price supportive, sort of in, in the price already, maybe. Yeah, the big energy story locally, of course, is that uh, confirmation yesterday, at least it was from Santos, that there's, there are talks going on between Woodside and Santos and a possible merger, which would mean a $80 billion uh, market cap of that combined business. Santos has said that they are having preliminary discussions at this stage. Uh, so, uh, you know, nice bit of news for the week of COP28, isn't it? We'll see where that leads. Uh, let's look at Australia's balance of trade very quickly. Was that good? I mean, a lot of it came, uh, We you know, it rose, the balance rose, the surplus rose, but a lot of that came from a fall in imports, which were down 0.6% year on year for November. Um, but surely that means, you know, there's a slowdown in consumption, which, you know, could be good or bad, depending on which way you want to look at it. Yeah, I think that's probably the the key to interpreting the the, the, the goods trade report yesterday. I mean, as we've talked about as well, you know, it, it's sort of a bit of, bit of a less complete report than it than it used to be, given it's only um, goods now and there's sort of services trade isn't in there either. Mm. Look, I think the you know the the broader view from you know from from the economics team was probably not too much to to read into this. Um, yeah, there was a you, you do get a lot of volatility in these numbers still. So I mean, part of the um, part of the turnaround was that a a, a massive um, block of mining trucks that were imported in September. Well, they weren't imported again. So so there's reversal from that sort of thing. So not, nothing too much yeah, to sort of read yeah. into there in terms of trends or, or impacts for the RBA in, the, in right. the near term. And the slowdown in Germany continues. So industrial production down for the fifth month in a row, down 0.4 percent month on month. The expectation was that that it would. Uh, it would slow. It would, actually, it would be a 0.2% gain. So it's gone the, gone the other way. Uh, and look, the European GDP growth rate, the third estimate, also moved down a little. So Q3 is now uh, basically flat year on year. It was 0.1% in the second revision. It's been revised down to, to, to zero. So, you know, things slowing in Europe. But we sort of know that's happening. There's just a bit more evidence of that. Uh, and that just adds to the uh, expectation, doesn't it? The, the ECB is not going to be in a position to move anything because the, you know, because the economy is so flat. Uh, so yeah. uh, U.S. jobless claims. Uh, let's look at those uh, and non-farm payrolls. That's the big story today, obviously. Uh, but jobless claims ahead of that. Uh, looking for any signs? Not really much change, was there? 220,000 for the first week in December compared to 219,000 the week before. You know, the four-week average has climbed 50,000, which is not a great deal, is it, for a, a country of 332 million? Uh, so <laughs> these are small moves. Uh, so not much we can tell from that. Yeah. But non-farm payrolls, uh, that's going to be the story today. Yeah, still pretty steady at low level on claims. I mean, one interesting thing was though, continuing claims did actually say that that, that data is lagged a, a, a week, the continuing claims data, but that did show a bit of an unexpected mm. drop. So, yeah, I guess that's a, that, that is a positive to some extent in terms of um, in, in terms of persistent strength in the US labour force. Whether that itself is a positive, different question, of course. Um, but, yeah, looking into tonight, mm. I think the consensus number is sitting around 185. So that is actually an increase from last month. I think last month they ended up printing at 150,000 150, change in... In, um, in in non-farm payrolls, I think the, a lot of that um, relative increase is being ascribed to a few more uh, auto workers coming off strike. So there's a bit of a um, so the, yep. there is a bit of a base base level in the in in the numbers expected to come from that. So um, look potentially a very significant print for markets. I mean, particularly in bond markets where my interests are, are more aligned. Um, you know, 
Treasury yields down 90 basis points from the highs of last month. Sure, US data has been running pretty weak or so, I mean, softer than expectations, I think, is a fair way to categorise. It's not um, you know, drastically weak. Um, yeah, But, yeah, mm. bond yields down 90 points, uh, over 100 points of cuts price for the Fed next year. You know, if non-farm payrolls is, is going to come in, um, you're not particularly not particularly weak. There's a potential for seeing some of that uh, some of that challenged. I would think. But if it goes the other way, could I mean, is that just going to reinforce that expectation, or could it push it even lower? I mean, it could. I mean, given the scale of the move in rates now, I'm sort of wondering whether the rally's been a little bit overextended, just as the sell-off was when ten-year treasuries got towards five yeah. percent. Um, you know, are we going too much the other way? And in fact, I mean. You know, are you sort of more likely to enter a round of, of, of profit taking more than anything else for those who were fortunate enough to buy close to five? So I think um, moves lower should probably start to see some sort of resistance. But having said that, I've been expecting that for a little while now and uh, and, and, and yields us 4.11. Right. So, so what you're saying is if non-farm payrolls comes out a little bit stronger than expected, that would be an opportunity for people to reassess that expectation of cuts next year and say, oh, well, maybe we've gone a bit far. Maybe there's still some work potentially for the for the Fed to do. Yeah, I think it's a fair way to, to categorise it, yeah. Mm. All right, we'll see what that does today. Uh, and obviously, it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what average hourly earnings does as well. Uh, the University of Michigan sentiment reading, their five-year inflation expectation last time rose to 3.2%. I mean, the Fed is expecting core PCE to be down to 2% in three years. So I'm not really quite sure how that uh, stacks up. Maybe that'll come down a bit today. And uh, China's CPI and PPI for November tonight, which, uh, you know, we know more deflation expected again this month. Yep, I think on the uh, the, the China price data expected, I think to print again at yeah minus two point minus point two month on month, and I mean on the um, just looping back to the inflation expectations in the US, I mean the. Inflation expectations everywhere tend to be driven by sort of big moves in some of those high frequency items you buy. Um, so with, um, with with gasoline prices coming off a little bit in the US, you know maybe that does point to a to a little bit of a decline there. That will um, that will sort of keep those being surveyed a little bit um, a, l- a little bit more more comfortable about where prices are heading. So that that's a potential um, reason why that could fall back a bit. But certainly you know in, in outright numbers those do look higher to what to, to what official numbers are talking about. But um, that's pretty standard for these surveys. Yeah. A bit of a fall wouldn't hurt. And we wait and see how much lower oil can go. It's curious, isn't it? It's just going down and down. So we'll see what uh, the next week brings. Good to talk anyway. We'll uh, leave it there for now. Uh, thanks for your time. Catch you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And later today on the Weekend Edition, back in September, the first shipment of tariff-free Aussie sugar arrived in the UK. Uh, first one in 50 years. So we all went out wow. to Tate and Lyle on the River Thames and welcomed <laughs> that shipment of Queensland sugar. And being a Queenslander, you know, I was uh, quite proud to see that arrive. So that's Elizabeth Bowe. She's Australia's Deputy High Commissioner to the UK. She helped negotiate the UK-Australia free trade deal. And there's quite a lot in it. It's not just tariff free goods there are employment and investment opportunities as well in both directions so elizabeth talks us through that on the weekend edition released this afternoon wherever you get your podcast from and the same place where you got this podcast from so tune in for that and give it a listen over the weekend and we'll catch you again on monday morning as well i'm phil dobby for nab thanks for listening today